Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Hope everybody had a great weekend, as the Bucks could not hurt you on Sunday, as Scott Reynolds has told <laughs> the Pewter people uh, quite often as the Bucks played on Thursday. So a bit of a mini-buy uh, for the Bucks, but let's get it rocking and rolling with a new week as we try to figure out how the Bucks can win down the stretch and stay in competition to win the NFC South. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com. SR, Scott Reynolds. Scott, you are uh, back from a little short vacay. Yeah. How, how is morale? It was great. I went to Siesta Key uh, with my wife, Ashley, for the weekend. It was fun. We honeymooned there uh, many, many moons ago, about 12 years ago. It's fun to go back there and, and uh, get a little sunshine and the weather was fantastic. Um, nothing against St. Petersburg and Clearwater, but the best beach in Florida is Siesta Key. It just is. The, yeah. The, I think it got a uh, water. It, the, there's some type of like study or vote yeah. or whatever. And said that Siesta Key is like the best beach in Florida it is. Or in like the U S so phenomenal yeah. beach. Good stuff. So we had, had fun. And uh, it was also fun seeing the Atlanta Falcons lose, right, Buck fans? I mean, that was that was fun. The team that just beat you last week, and all of a sudden now, um, sky is falling <laughs> in yeah. in in Atlanta. Um, Brady Jarrett out for the year, torn ACL. Wow, you know that's uh, you know, that's not good news for the Falcons. And Desmond Ritter, is there a quarterback controversy now with with Taylor Heineke, uh, Tyler Heineke coming in and and playing better? Then uh, Desmond Ritter, who I guess fumbled again. So that's six fumbles now to start the yeah. season. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Interesting times in the NFC South. Just as bad as you felt when the Buccaneers lost to the Falcons and the Bills back-to-back weekends, Peter People. The Atlanta Falcons fans now, even though the Falcons are 4-4, four and four, Matt, they're still tied for the lead in the NFC South right now with the New Orleans Saints. It's like the sky is falling in Atlanta right now. So, they're they're a little uh, you know they're they're a little freaked out there in Atlanta even though they're four and four. So we've said all along that this division is going to yeah. come down to the wire. It's going to come down to the division games, and I don't think there's division game now uh, among any NFC South teams until November twenty sixth. If I read Greg Almond's tweet right, so um, big week ahead with the Bucks and, and the Texans. We'll take a look at all the schedules for yeah. the Bucks, Falcons, Saints, and Panthers who won their first game against the Texans. This uh, past Sunday, and uh, but let's start with what happened here at the team complex day. There was a practice on Monday. Yeah, so it was a little bit of a, uh, and I'll put in quotations, bonus practice today for uh, for the Buccaneers. And we did speak to um, Todd Bowles after, but yeah, I was out there at practice today. Obviously, everybody wants to know about Vita Vea, and because uh, he did not play on Thursday. The good news is Vita Vea did participate in practice today. Um, and again, we only get a, a certain allotted amount of time each day that we're at practice. So we mostly just see the guys like warm up and stretch some calisthenics and then a lot of uh, special teams work. But Vita Vea was out there from the beginning, uh, stretching, warming up, all that fun stuff. So that was the good news. The bad yep. news was that there was no Tristan Wirfs out there mm -hmm. today. He wasn't even, you know, just the sideline spectator watching yeah. everybody else. So that's definitely going to be needing some monitoring as the uh, the week goes on. Also not participating, Coe Keeft, which I thought was a little interesting. Mm -hmm. um, Kayvon Merriweather did not practice either. Uh, obviously, he, you know, 
had missed some time anyway. Uh, who am I missing? Oh, Logan Hall. So there's some differentiating reports. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell everybody right now. From what I saw, when everybody was stretching and warming up, Logan Hall was just standing there chilling by like where the defensive linemen kind of congregate after right. warm-ups and everything like that. So I don't know when other people got to look at Logan Hall, but he wasn't warming up or anything. He just had his jersey on and was standing there. So mm-hmm. by my observations, one could conclude that him just standing there and not stretching, warming up, and everything else in between would mean that he is not participating the same way that Cole Keith was standing next to a coach and, right. uh, and watch everyone stretch too. So that was my observation of it. You can check out um, our social media at Pewter Report where we um, tweeted all of this out with, with photos and everything of that nature. But remember, Logan Hall was questionable in the last game because of a groin injury. So yep. one of those things, I mean, even after practice, Todd Bowles is like, yeah, this is probably the healthiest we're going to be since the season began. And yep. you know, even with all the Tristan Wirth stuff and, and Vita Vea, so – Overall, I think good news that the Vita Vey is back, and I think Tristan will probably be one of those things where it's going to come down to later on in the week. And remember, it is a, a bonus practice, so they're they're not going to push any guys that don't necessarily need to practice out there. So um, yep. yeah, those are the big names that people want to know. Yeah, and I think the thing with Tristan Werfs is, uh, by all accounts, and and um, we'll find out a little bit more as the week goes on. But with Tristan, right, it was. It's a it's a, a thigh injury, yeah. probably a deep thigh bruise, thigh contusions, what they call it. Very painful to deal with. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Tristan Wirfs played and continued to play throughout the game was a good sign. But that's something that nothing except for rest and some treatments, you know, some massage and all of that is is really going to help. So, um, you know, I'm not worried about Tristan Wirfs. If he can play, he can play. Yeah. I'm not saying that he he wouldn't benefit from practice, Matt. I think everybody player everybody you know, benefits when they do participate, but yeah, it's not like this guy needs it. Right. I mean, he, he plays pretty well at left tackle. We've already figured that out this year. He's already a, a, an all pro yeah. player at right tackle. I think he's on his way to becoming that. in and this year, his first year at left tackle, but at the same time, if, if Aaron Stanley's going to be out there at left guard, right. Um, you're going to want to develop, develop some yeah. chemistry with him. And I thought Stinney played pretty well after looking at the tape. I think it kind of warranted the pro football focus, uh, grade there. Not saying Matt Filer was, you know, the root of all evil and that that interior of the offensive line, but you know, Cody Malk has got a long way to go. But this team is committed to playing him, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's as bad at right guard as a rookie as Luke Edicke was at left guard as as a rookie. So yeah. they're going to continue to pride with him. And Robert Hansey, I, he is what he is. He's probably a backup center ideally than he is as a starter, but he's the guy for this year. But at left guard, if you can get an upgrade, if, if Stinney actually is an upgrade over, over Matt Filer, um, and, and I've kind of thought that, um, I called for Matt Filer to be benched after the Falcons game and either put Stinney or Nick Leverett in there. And obviously, I understand why they don't want to put Nick Leverett in there. He's the backup center. If yeah. he gets hurt and then Hainsey gets hurt in the game, then you've got nobody snapping the ball. So I get why they wanted to go with Stinney over Leverett. And, and Matt, I thought that he played some really credible football out there for his first action in quite a while. Yeah, I, I should note too that Matt Filer did not participate. So um, if if that's the same case moving forward, then yeah, Aaron Stinney would be continue to be the starting left guard. And yeah, I, I think Aaron Stinney is more than fine with what he did. I'm I'm in full agreement with you that 
if you're pointing the finger at why the Bucks' run game hasn't done well or why Baker Mayfield has gotten sacked more in the past couple of weeks, it's not like how many Bucks fans feel about Ryan Neal at safety. We're like, oh, my God, he's a huge issue. He needs to be replaced. <laughs> Matt Filer is not the Ryan Neal of the offense, and the offensive line specifically. But with that said, if you even get a minor, minor increase with Aaron Stinney in there at left guard, which right. let's remember, he does have a history of coming in when the time mm-hmm. is needed and playing well on big yeah. levels. And I think for especially for offensive line where, yes, you watch the tape, and stats aren't as quantifiable at, at offensive linemen as they right. are with a wide receiver or a running back. Um, I think that history and, and playing with this unit, granted it's a new offense and everything like that, yeah. I think Aaron can really take this offense, I'm not going to say to another level, but just, yeah. again, the minor tweak that it needs, I think Aaron sure. can really provide that. And also with the whole Nick Leverett thing, I watched a game on football where the third string center had to come in who was just called up from the practice squad yeah and it pretty. makes a big it makes a big difference if you cannot snap the ball so right it cannot be overlooked that nick leverett even though we didn't love how he snapped the football in training camp in the preseason yeah you do need that that guy in case of emergency and uh yeah so that's why nick leverett isn't starting but who knows we got a couple more hours until the yep. trade deadline I doubt the Bucs are really going to do anything. I agree. But you never know. Maybe they'll try to booster their uh, their offensive line one way or another. Yeah, and I think one thing, too, with Stinney is you saw some of those bigger runs towards the left, right? You yes. saw the, the big mm-hmm. run. Actually, uh, both of the, of, of the runs that uh, Rashad White had that were big, one of those got, I would say, called back. But the 26-yard run got turned yeah. into a 7-yard run due to the holding penalty from Trey Palmer down the field. But still, 7-yard run. <laughs> That's pretty good for any buck in your running back in this day and age, sad to say. Having said that, though, the screen pass, Matt, to the left, right? So I think Stinney has some ability that Matt Filer, age 31, just doesn't have. And so why not put a guy in there that's a little bit more athletic, a little bit more mobile, a few years younger, in Stinney, who is in a contract year, just like Filer is, right? Signed a one-year deal. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm encouraged by what we've seen. Even if it's minute progress, it's still progress nonetheless, Let's see another week of, of Stinney, and and then we'll draw some conclusion as about whether uh, when Filer gets healthy, if he stays in the starting lineup, it comes back in, or if they go with the hot hand, which may be Stinney after two weeks. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it will be telling of what they can do against the Houston Texans because yeah. – you look at the post-buy, and it hasn't been good for the Bucks post-buy. They've lost three games in a row. They've yet to win since coming back from the bye. But I think for a lot of it, too, you know, a divisional game against the Falcons, that's one of those things. Throw the record books out the window. It's a divisional right. game, unless you're really bad like the Panthers. <laughs> um, but those two other games, the Lions and then Thursday against the Bills, very much felt, again, just because the the amount of talent that both of their opponents have, it felt like the Bucs were going to be fighting an uphill battle to yeah. begin with, whether it was running the football against the Lions who had the, you know, the top run stopping defense in the league or the bills, what they've been able to do, especially at home. And especially when Josh Allen is, is really clicking at quarterback, which he was um, on Thursday. Yeah. We talked a lot about like litmus tests, measuring sticks and all this fun stuff. I don't know if this is necessarily a litmus test because it's the Houston Texans who just lost to the uh, the winless, previously winless Carolina right. Panthers. But I also think that for as much as we're all up in arms about certain things about really the offense, but the team in general, 
I think a lot of Bucks fans will kind of go, oh, yeah, they're not as bad as we think. When you play against another team that isn't like the elite of the elite. Yeah. I wouldn't say the Bucs have had the toughest schedule, but they've had some more difficult opponents. And some yeah. of that is because like the Eagles, for example, that's only because they came in first place in the NFC South last season right. and the Eagles came in first place in the NFC East. So that obviously changes things as well. Yeah. I'm not trying to be too down on the Bucs, um, but like it, things are bad. They've lost three in a row. Right. But I, you, you imagine, the division's still open. You're right. They've lost three games in a row. But to me, again, and I said this after the Bucks lost to the Bills on Thursday night, get mad all you want about them losing the most recent game. I get that. You want your team to win, right? That's uh, completely understandable. But the Falcons game, get get more pissed off about that than the Bills game because – Nobody picked the Bills to win on the Pew Report staff. We all yeah. picked the Falcons to win. The Falcons at yeah. home in Raymond James Stadium, that was the winnable game. And in football, especially for a team that's not a Super Bowl contender, which the Buccaneers are not, and we'll, we'll see if they are a playoff team. I think they have the talent, and I think they should be a playoff team this year. That's why I picked them to go 9-8. and eight. Mm. Having said that, you have to win the winnable games, right? The winnable games are are the games against lesser opponents and then teams that you're kind of on par with. And I think the Bucs are on par with the Falcons. I thought they were on par with the Saints, right? And they split those games, and, and theoretically they should have been 2-0 in my opinion in that. But the Lions, they're a better team. The Eagles, clearly a better team. The 49ers coming up, despite three losses in a row, I'm still, unless I see them slide on similar scale with the Buccaneers with a couple more losses, which I don't think is going to happen, but... 49ers, that's probably going to be a loss. The Bills was going to be a loss. We're talking about teams that are better than the Buccaneers. And it doesn't mean that you can't upset those teams. Upsets happen every week in the NFL. Yep. It'd be nice if the Buccaneers maybe joined that party and got an upset. <laughs> maybe that happens against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, you know, in a bit. Um, but to me, Matt, it's, it's all about winning the winnable games. And you look at the schedule. We'll get to this on the other side of roll call in about four minutes. Yep. But we'll talk about... The Bucs schedule, we'll look at the other schedules, too, from the NFC South, just so everybody has kind of a full picture of, of where the Bucs stand with, with their counterparts in the division. But there's a lot of winnable games, Matt, coming down the stretch here. And, and I think that it presents the Buccaneers some opportunities here. Yeah, no, no question about it. I, I think, like we talked about, the next two games are kind of must-win games for the Bucs, just in terms of, again, the yeah. name of the game is is keeping on pace with the rest of the NFC South. And, the, the unfortunate thing for all these teams is that it's not just a two-team race. It's a three-team right. race at the moment. So yeah. you, it's like, oh, well, the Falcons lost. That's great for the Bucs, and it is. But the Saints also won right. and beat the Colts <laughs> and, you know, yes. and put them uh, back into the picture as well. Granted, the Bucs do have that tiebreaker yeah. at the moment against the Saints, which will be more important as the season goes on. But you're not right. just competing against one team. You're competing against two. But uh, let's get to some super chats starting yeah, out with Cameron you. Page. Thank you, Cameron. For the 499 super chat who says, Could you guys break down how much we are paying players that aren't even playing for us this year yep. and how it hits the cap space? Yep, got it right here. So Tom Brady not playing for the Buccaneers or anybody this year. Yeah. 35 million dollars in some change. Like really 35.1 million. So out of the Buccaneers total salary cap, Tom Brady not playing, accounting for 35.1 million. Donovan Smith, who was released this offseason. Uh, nearly $8 million worth of dead cap space, $7.95 million. Levante David, he had some voidable years in his previous contract. So even though he was re-signed, the Bucks still have to account for the money that was already paid to Levante. 
in his previous contract, but was not allocated in terms of salary cap space. That's why those voidable years, um, you know, you you have to pay some dead cap money, and the Buccaneers did that. Levante, aside from what he's making this year, which is about four point five million, is also on the cap for six point eight five five million worth of dead cap money. Leonard Fournette, five million in dead cap space. Akeem Hicks, four point nine million because of that voidable year. Same with Shaq Mason, four point three million. Cam Brayton, just under four million and three point nine five five. Julio Jones, again, voidable year, right? Uh, you sign a player and you want to reduce his one-year initial cap hit, like Julio Jones, who was signed to essentially a one-year deal, but it was a two-year deal because it was a voidable year, to reduce his salary cap impact last year, Matt. And Julio's still on the books uh, for three point, call it $3.5 million. Will Golston, same thing as Levante, $2.4 million in leftover cap money, but He's under contract now for another million dollars, having re-signed with the team. Ryan Suckup, seven hundred fifty thousand. Deidre and Sanat, uh, six hundred fifty-two thousand. Pat O'Connor, four hundred fifty thousand. Jalen Darden, three hundred forty-eight thousand and nine hundred fifty dollars. Um, and that's pretty much it. A couple hundred thousand dollars here or there, but it's a lot of money. It's it's where you know I think we're talking around seventy-five million dollars worth of dead yeah. cap space. And you know, Matt. This was the year. This is the plan. Go cheap this year. Bite the bullet. Have more cap room next year, about $62 million, which they're going to need because they got a lot of free agents coming up, a lot of big names. Mm -hmm. Antoine Winfield, Devin White, Baker Mayfield, uh, Levante David, uh, Ryan Neal. Some of those guys aren't going to be back. Plus, you want to pay Tristan Wirfs. That will actually lower his cap value next year because he's on the books for over $18 million with his fifth-year option. So, the $62 million, it sounds like a lot. It's going to get spent pretty quickly. And that's, but the Bucks are going to have some more flexibility. They're not going to be as tight against the cap as they were this year. And, you know, and then the year after that is going to be even better. So they're going to start to get out of this salary cap hell pretty quickly starting next year, Matt. Yeah, and this was all about ripping the Band-Aid off because exactly. this day was coming one day or another. Yep. And Honestly, you might as well get it done now, especially in this season after Tom Brady's no longer the quarterback because right. the Bucs, you know, could have kept delaying it, delaying it, and they like to kick the can down the yeah. road with some of the void years. And, you know, it was worth it with winning the Super Bowl and re-signing right. guys to make another Super Bowl run the following season and so on. And honestly, if you're going to – better to prolong it, better not to prolong it when you can just rip the Band-Aid off yeah. right, right now – Get it done with. And why not do it in this season where it's like, oh, well, we don't know exactly what we're going to get from the offense because yeah. it's new quarterback with Baker Mayfield. Because in a different scenario, the Bucs, and I know this quarterback draft class, the Bucs weren't really in a position to get Will Levis right. or some of the other guys. But, you know, what if they ended up drafting a quarterback and he worked out? It's like, wow, this quarterback, he could be the future of the Bucs. And he's yeah. great with all these weapons. But, oh, wait, now you have no more money to re-sign Mike Evans and – and sign that extension to to Antoine Winfield Jr. and right. Tristan Harps and things of that nature. So best to do it now. It's also best to do it right now. We're going to do some roll call, baby. That's right, Peter people. We love interacting with you, the Peter people, um, as much as we possibly can. We have so much fun doing this show every day, the Peter Game Day show as well, because you guys bring great thoughts, opinions, facts, and questions too. So one of the fun ways we like to interact with everybody is um, we do roll call 
every Monday at 420, or sometimes if we're in the middle of something, uh, two or three minutes late. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, pretty much what all we do is um, I'm, I'm today I'm going to go on a rant about uh, something I've been thinking about with the Bucks. In the meantime, start putting your location uh, on the screen and we'll throw it up. So everybody else can uh, can see it too. So yeah, there we go. We've got some super chats. We'll get to after roll call, yes. but let's yeah, let's we hit promise it. we will get to the uh, the super chat as well. So I think a big topic of discussion since Thursday night's game between the Bucks and the Bills, and kind of moving forward, I asked Todd Bowles about it today. Is uh, the team going up tempo? Well, it's two things really. It's the Bucks going more up tempo, and just. The offense continuously saying, oh, we're so close. We're so close. We're one play away. And I'll start off with the up-tempo thing because it really reared its ugly head against the the Bills with the fourth quarter. You're down two scores. They did score the touchdown, so credit to the Bucs for scoring that touchdown. But it took you 17 plays, and it took about seven minutes off the clock. Yeah. You had the ball with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You finally scored with, I think, like 240 left on the clock or whatever it was. It just took way too much time. And that is a situation where you needed to go up-tempo. But I think even larger than the picture of just, oh, well, you're down two scores. you got to play faster. Things are not working really in any capacity for the Bucs offense. It's highly driven around Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Teams are taking away Mike Evans, and it feels like the Bucs don't have another answer. They cannot run the football. Baker Mayfield has not played as well after the bye than he was playing before the bye. I mean, anyone that watched any of the Bucs games can figure that stuff out. So when you hit a rut like the Bucs have, by the way, they're averaging 12 points per game in their uh, three-game losing streak. When you have an offense that is struggling the way that the Bucs are struggling, you got to mix it up one way or another, whether it's running some plays that actually worked, whether it's making some changes to the offensive line or, or anywhere really, which maybe we'll see that with Aaron Stinney. Or another thing you could do is go up tempo, go no huddle, keep the, uh, you know, the defense on their toes, keep those same players on the field to tire them out a little bit. This offense needs a spark. And I really think up tempo could be one of those things. And that's why I hate it. I absolutely despise the comments that Todd Bowles said the day after the game on Friday, yeah, where he's like, we thought about going up tempo, but that's where a number of uh, of the penalties have come from. First yeah. of all, the Bucks are committing penalties everywhere right. now, whether you're going <laughs> up tempo or not. So yeah. I don't necessarily buy that. And Agreed. two, I don't care if it's you know a new offensive line or young players at wide receiver. To say that you can't go up tempo because you're worried about your guys jumping off sides or committing a pre-snap penalty or not lining up correctly. Right. That's an issue for a freaking high school team for a high school team, not an NFL team with players that get paid good money to play professional football. You're telling me you can't go up tempo because of that specifically. I just personally, I don't buy that. I think this team needs a lot of changes and going up tempo would be something to really, you know, switch it up a little bit. So let's fast forward to today. Um, Todd Bowles, we kind of went back to that situation with um, should they have gone up tempo late in the game? And this mm-hmm. is what Todd Bowles had to say. Giving you more time when you got the ball back. Yeah, we've talked about that. We always wanted to go quicker. We knew we were down two scores and had to go quicker. Uh, there were some penalties involved and some things that we got to get communicated, but we definitely want to be faster. 
Yeah. Yeah. The you want to be passed. Prove it. The, Prove the, it. The penalties were on the Bills on fourth down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those were the two uh, penalties that I remember. Maybe there was a Buccaneer penalty in there too, but I mean, it was the two fourth down penalties by Buffalo that extended that drive. Yeah. And I mean, it took the Buccaneers throwing a touchdown pass to Mike Evans on another fourth down for them to finally get in the end zone. I mean, it seemed like that drive took like two quarters, not just seven minutes. Yeah. It was exhausting to watch. And, and I think that's where, listen, um, I, I'm fine with Todd Bowles being hands-off and, and being completely giving Dave Canales complete autonomy of the offense. That's fine. That can work. We saw that with Byron Lefwich and Bruce Arians being you know, the offensive guys and Todd Bowles being the defensive guy. Yep. And Bruce trusts Todd and all that. Same thing with John Gruden and Monty Kiffin, two completely different people. Gruden had nothing to do with the defense, completely hands-off. That's fine. But – Todd Bowles, your job is the head coach as well as the defensive play caller. You have the right and the obligation to tell your offensive coordinator, hurry up, yeah. hurry up, because <laughs> it's all about game management, right? Like, you got to sit there and get on the, the headset or walk down there and say, Dave, like, we're, we're snapping the ball with two to three seconds left in, in the play clock. We should be snapping the ball with 12 to 13 seconds left in the play clock. We got to get the plays in faster. We got to get to the line, maybe do a sugar huddle rather than an actual huddle. Sugar huddles where you're, you're all kind of standing about where you need to be. And then Baker's making the call out there, you know, right at the line of scrimmage yeah. and, and get, get the snaps going because Matt, the defense did their job. Um, they used the timeouts. They, they had the two minute warning, which, which aided them. They got the ball back, but they got the ball back with 21 seconds left yeah. or whatever it was and no timeouts. Imagine Matt, if, if they had a minute and 21 seconds left, right. Um, then maybe you're, you're not throwing a Hail Mary. Maybe you're throwing exactly. a 20 yard pass into the end zone. It's a much easier throw to make. And, and, uh, it's not a, a gimme by any means because the Bucks struggle getting touchdowns, but it increases your chances of, of winning and maybe going on a drive and maybe, you know, maybe you get down inside the five yard line and you have two or three plays, right. That beats having two or three plays at the 50 yard line. Yeah, and, and I think, again, the bigger picture, it's not like other things have been working for this offense. I mean, their yeah. highest scoring game was 26 against the Saints, and let's not forget that 10 points were gift-wrapped right. to the box with starting at the 20. So they really yeah. haven't had an efficient offensive game just yeah. yet. But let's keep the Super Chats rolling. Thank you to Bucks Basement for the $5 Super Chat who says, Bucks in third place, deservedly so. I don't think the Bucks are likely to win against the Texans and Titans. We all know how Bowles makes rookie quarterbacks Look, yeah, that that took a bad turn a uh, season ago or two seasons yeah. ago, whatever it was, where sometimes, as great as this defense can be, it does leave the door open for certain yeah. things, especially if you can pick up the Bucs blitzes. And Brock Purdy, right? I mean, he made him, you know, the Bucs made, made Brock Purdy look really good, and Brock Purdy did look really good up, up until recently. Yeah. But, you know, Matt, C.J. Stroud has looked really good. Yeah. Granted, they didn't get – you know, he didn't have a touchdown pass last week, but nine touchdowns, only one interception so far in his NFL career. He was the second overall pick. Bryce Young, of course, went to Carolina number one overall, but he's been sacked 15 times, but he's completed 60% of his passes. He's not the most accurate quarterback, only thrown for 1,800 yards. He's not like a prolific passer, but nine touchdowns, one interception for any rookie quarterback. That's good. That should have the Bucks' attention. I just really hope that the Bucks eventually play tighter coverage at the front of the line of scrimmage. Because yeah. you could say you don't want to allow the big play all you want in soft right. zone. You're still allowing the big play and then hiding it as, oh, well, it was yeah. a busted coverage and miscommunication. I yeah. don't really care. You're still letting up the big play, so try something that's actually right. going to help you 
uh, Matt, a little bit more. I hate to put you on the spot like this, but um, answer me two questions. How many interceptions does Jamel Dean have this year? A donut. Zero. Okay. How many interceptions does Carlton Davis have this year? He is actually, you and I have the same amount as Carlton Davis. That's exactly right. He also has zero. Scott, uh, can I fo- can I follow up with a yes. with another question? Yes. How many interceptions does defensive tackle veteran Will Golston have this season? He has one. <laughs> because he was closer to the ball than those guys are, even at the yeah. line of scrimmage. If you want interceptions, right, you want to be able to jump the routes. And I understand Jamel Dean maybe could have had a pick six opportunity if he'd been maybe a, a step, you know, further, uh, or a step closer to uh, the the target there, right around the goal line on that fourth down. But that's what I'm saying, Matt. Is you got to be in position. You got to play tighter coverage with less cushion to put yourself in position to get those interceptions. You can't be sitting here as a coach crying and screaming. We need more interceptions, and then then have your quarterbacks playing five and seven yards off. Yeah. It's not going to happen. You've got to play tighter coverage, and you got to take some chances. And you have two big, physical, long or um, uh, cornerbacks that can match up against bigger receivers, right? Um, that that you know, have enough speed to hang with some of the smaller receivers and mug them a little bit. So I, I just don't get it. I don't understand why, especially early on in games, the Buccaneers, and we've seen it on first drives especially, they come out in this soft zone and they allow quarterbacks to get into rhythm and, and pick apart the Bucks defense. So um, we have another Super Chat, Matt. We do. Thank you to Thomas Pelicudis for the $5 Super Chat. It says, would it not make sense to go get Chase Young? If they're in a win-now situation, thank you for all you do, guys. Well, Thomas, thank you very much for the uh, super chat. Thank you for the comment. Appreciate you watching the show. It's funny. Balls talked about how last week was like the first time that he wasn't really happy with the production from the outside linebackers. Um, But overall, I think those adjustments can be made in-house, whether it's playing Anthony Nelson a little bit more than Joe Tryon-Choinka or – Obviously, Yaya Diaby, they they spent a what was it, a third-round pick on him, yeah. so he's definitely a guy that you want to get more reps. They're, they're pretty stacked at outside linebacker. You got Marquise Watts in the practice squad. Cam the Thrill Gill gets a couple yeah. of snaps each game. So uh, while it would be fun for the Bucs to make a trade, and Chase Young is obviously a flashy name that people yeah. know, I don't think if they are going to make a trade, it would be for anyone that uh, outside linebacker. I agree. Plus, he is going to be entering uh, his, you know, um, I, I think that they turned down the fifth-year option, so there's yeah, no fifth-year option to pick up. So you you have to acquire Chase Young knowing that you have to re-sign him and probably to a mega deal considering he was, you know, a top what top five pick, first overall pick, where, where he, second overall pick, sorry. Yeah. Second overall pick in 2020. Out of Ohio State, so he's going to command a, a huge chunk of change, and you have to be prepared to say, uh, "Yeah, we're going to pay him that money." And then, where are you going to find the money for Antoine Winfield and Mike Evans, right, and Levante David, and maybe Baker Mayfield or another quarterback if you have to go out and get another quarterback? So, five sacks this year. It's a, a rebound year. Last year, obviously, he got injured, only played in five games. But the year prior to that, he played a nine, only had a sack and a half. His best season was his rookie season, seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. It just has not been nearly as productive, right? And and the other yeah. thing, too, is, is he's on the trading block for a reason, Matt. He's not helping the Washington yeah. Commanders win enough games. And so, to me, I, I'm, I'm just not 
I'm not sure that he's the right answer for the Buccaneers right now. And then you're going to have to give up a draft pick and then pay the guy a bunch of money. In Madden football, it makes sense. Make the trade, whatever, but not in real life. And I also feel like there's probably a reason why Washington didn't pick up that fifth-year option. Right. Like if he, was exactly. so, if he was so productive. Sold. Yeah. Um, thank you to Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse, our main man with the $5 Super Chat. Good question. What is the Bucks' record at this point if B.A. was still head coach? SR has been very fair in his Baker Mayfield analysis. Cry more, Traskaholics and Traskholes. Well, I mean, I think the easy thing to say would be like, oh, with Bruce Arians coaching, the Bucs would have definitely beat the Falcons yeah. and they would have kept it closer against the Lions or whatever it is. But the reality is, I mean, as great as, as a coach Bruce Arians is and was, and I'm right. not knocking what he's done. He's a yeah. two-time coach of the year, won a Super Bowl for the Bucs. I mean, the Bucs got upset in some games, too. They lost to the Bears infamously yeah. on that Thursday night game. They lost to Washington on the road. So, yeah. you know, Bruce Arians wasn't prone to losing in upset games, too. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is, and again, love Bruce. Everything you said is exactly right, Matt. Not tr trying to detract from his record whatsoever. But which Bruce Arians are we talking about here? Are we talking about the 7-9 and nine with Jameis Winston Bruce Arians? Or are we talking about the Bruce Arians who inherited Tom Brady in free agency? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and won a Super Bowl and then went 13 to four with Tom Brady. So two distinctly different quarterbacks, right? With Jameis Winston, Bruce was a seven and nine coach. So is that the Bruce Arians the Bucs would be getting this year? Don't know. Uh, Tom Brady makes any head coach look good. Just ask Bill Belichick. Right. Yeah. So um, overrated. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just I love Bruce, but I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if this team is three and four. You know, if they're four and three, if they're five and two, or I, I don't know. Um, yeah. They do a better job than Todd Bowles. I don't know. I'm not sure. And the other thing, if we would, re if we're really combing through this, it would be like, oh well, Baker's in the Bruce Arians offense versus this new yes. offense. Does he end up throwing more, uh, <laughs> more interceptions yeah. or less, or do they end up scoring more points? That's a long way of saying that we don't know. But what I do know, yes, is that the best energy drink that you can find on the market is Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast and pewterreport.com. Check out all of their great flavors because I do know that they have a variety of fantastic flavors, whether it's their newest one, the Cosmic Vibe or the Arctic Vibe. Um, sparkling Orange is great. Strawberry Lemonade is awesome. Sparkling Wildberry, fantastic as well. There's no... Sugar, there's no no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with another product out there. So if you need to know where to pick one up, go to the Celsius store locator on their website, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you can pick one up. It could be your Walmart, Target, 7-Eleven, maybe a health and fitness store, or maybe it could be your bodega. Bodega. Very nice, very nice. And, of course, if you want to start getting them in bulk, which I would recommend because of all the great flavors, get that variety pack. It's variety of spice of life. You go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and you can have it sent to your place of residence whenever you want. You're in charge of it. It could be a week, month, quarterly, yearly. You make the choice. Just make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. I'll say this, too. If you haven't tried Celsius, right, you've heard us every day we, we do this through the – the, the title sponsor, the presenting sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, the official energy drink of Peter Report. What are you waiting for? Just try one. Go yeah. go to Celsius.com, click on store lo locator. They're distributed just about countrywide now. So you can go to uh, any of the 
um, convenience stores around the country just about in this day and age and grab a Celsius. Try one. See if you like it. You know, Matt, um, I thought you did a great job with Roll Call. Just want to give a quick shout out to yeah. a couple of people here yes, that are that are watching us uh, from uh, from around Florida and around the country. We really appreciate uh, Tom Buck's fan. Uh, got the first start. He was early for Roll Call. Crossville, Tennessee. We appreciate that. Yeah, very cool. Um, and another uh, Buccaneer fan outside the state of Florida. Uh, in Houston, Texas, baby, big sack. Are you going to be at the game? Uh, they're coming right to your your neighborhood yeah, here fun. on Sunday. And then we've got some fantastic fans from uh, outside of the state of Florida and the country. Uh, Benvelt, the Netherlands. Uh, Arnoud, we appreciate you very yeah. much for tuning in over in the Netherlands. And also, too, uh, Edward Claringbold from Whitehorse, Yukon, Canada. A lot of Canadian fans in yeah. here today. Appreciate uh, you Buck fans up north, eh? And then from Florida, we've got a guy who is at Bush Gardens right now, Jeffrey. I love Waiting it. in line for those rides and uh, maybe Kumba, maybe uh, Montu. Yeah, Shikara. honestly, that's a great idea. If you're going to be at Bush Gardens, I haven't been in a while, but you yeah. know, most most parks and stuff takes a while to yeah. get on these rides. Watch the Pewter Report podcast while you're waiting online. I think that's a uh, great idea. But yeah. Shout out to all of our fans. Great people. Shout out to Vice. Thank you for the $10 super chat. If you have a uh, follow-up comment, feel yeah. free to put it in the chat and we will uh, put it up on the screen. But moving on. Thank you to Min Centrin Bailey. Any relation to Bailey Adams? Um, says, and thank you for the $9.99 super chat. Says, I'm the biggest Bucks fan in Philly. I've never been to a Bucks home game. Why is it always so many visiting fans at the Bucks home games? Well, appreciate you tuning in from Philly. Yep. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, not the best territory to be a Bucks fan, given yep. uh, the rivalry between these two teams. I think it really simply comes down to is that really the state of Florida, but very much Tampa, very much a transplant city. You have yep. a lot of people that move in from different parts of the country. Northeast, mm -hmm. obviously, is, is pretty big with that. And... People still keep their fandom. So, right. you know, when their team comes into town, they want to go see them. And, yeah. you know, it's not really anything on the Bucs. Just there's a long, long history yeah. of the Philadelphia Eagles compared to the Bucs or some of the other teams that, you know, that come to town and play. I also think, too, a lot of Buccaneer fans know that no Tom Brady this year, right? Uh, chances of the Buccaneers going to the Super Bowl, going to the playoffs, uh, the enthusiasm's been dampened. I mean, that, that's that's just, call it like we see it, that's reality. We love you, Peter, people. We're not, you know, not bad-mouthing any Buccaneer fans. But yeah. let's face it, Beth, there were some bandwagoners that jumped on uh, when Tom Brady came to this team several years ago. And and that's okay. We love them, too. And hopefully some have, have stayed around for the ride. But at the same time, um, there's a thing called inflation, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> cash... Cash money talks. And when you have fans, right, from other teams, whether it's Philadelphia, whether it's Detroit, right, they, they look at the schedule and they say, holy smokes, do I want to, you know, maybe wake up to 40 degrees, you know, in Detroit, um, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> or do, do I want to get into Tampa, Florida? So it's a great place to vacation. And you've got teams that have fans, Matt, that, that they look at Florida and they want to plan a vacation down here. Yep. And they're, they're willing to pay, to pay not, not face value for tickets, premium prices, right? Premium yep. prices for tickets to see their team play the Buccaneers in Tampa. And money talks sometimes, you know? So mm. I, we don't like to see it. Uh, you know, the, the, the Giants, or the Giants, the, the Eagles game was one thing. The Lions game was another. There's a lot of Falcons fans 
here, which that's maybe a little bit more like unforgiving. But, you know, it's a sign of the times right now. And I think the more the Buccaneers win, the more Buccaneer fans will be in the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Winning cares a lot uh, for sure. We got $2 super chat from Easy the Great. Thank you very much, Easy the Great. If you have a follow-up comment, please feel free to uh, throw it in the chat and we will put it on the screen. And Les Evans with a $10 super chat. Sticking with the Eagles, <laughs> says, uh, make a deal with the Eagles for power running back Rashad Penny. He isn't being used by the Eagles, and he's healthy. Les, thank you for the super chat. This is something that we've talked about before on the yeah. show, and ideally it makes a ton of sense. You know, Rashad Penny spent a lot of time with the Seahawks, where Dave Canales obviously comes from, so he would know this offense. Right. Obviously, the Bucks have had their struggles in the run game, and they could really yeah. use an RB2 after Rashad White at RB1, because we know it's not Keyshawn Vaughn. They're not playing Sean Tucker, and Chase Edmonds didn't really have the most uh, groundbreaking return (laughs) to uh, playing (laughs) on on Thursday Night Football to coming back with the Bucs. The only thing I'll say about this is, yeah, in a perfect world, it'd be great for the Bucs spend a day three pick where they're not losing too much draft capital and bring in very much a need for this team at running back. But it takes two to tango, and yes, the Eagles have plenty of good running backs right now, but that's why you build depth. If something happens to one of those running backs, then Rashad Penny is suiting up every single game. That's right. So yeah. for the Eagles, are you just going to willy-nilly give away a running back for a day three draft pick just for the heck of it? Yeah. I don't necessarily think so. But if it were, if I were the Bucs, I would definitely try to pursue that, but it would be up I to would the too. I, I've, I've heard that they're not interested in Rashad Penny. They've done some scouting with him, and they've looked at – his preseason with the Eagles, it was not, um, you know, pretty. I mean, he's fourth string running back for a reason. If he was, if he was as good as DeAndre Swift, he'd be splitting carries. If he was better than Boston Scott or Kenneth Gainwell, he'd be ahead of them on on the depth yeah. chart. That's not the case. But as you said, Matt, Eagles prime for another Super Bowl run. They want to keep that depth in case they need it. I remember talking to Jason Light in 2020 and 2021, and he says, "I got guys calling me." You know, uh, every day, you know, are these players available? Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> not getting rid of any of our depth. And it paid off, Matt, because we talked about it at the beginning of the show. Aaron Stinney stepped in and and helped save the day at right guard when Alex Kappa broke his his leg at Washington. So uh, can't fault the Eagles for not wanting to deal him, but I don't think the Bucks are going to be buyers either in that particular market. Let's also not forget real quick the depth – Again, that 2020 Super Bowl run, the, the NFC Championship game, they were down to their third and fourth string safeties yeah. out there winning the game. So that became very important once again. Yeah. Uh, we got Mason DeBoard with a $10 Super Chat. Appreciate you, Mason. Thanks. Says, uh, as much as I love Mike Evans, it's just really annoying if they just let him walk after the season when they possibly could have gotten some reasonable compensation. Yeah, well, if they do let Mike Evans walk, right? But whatever that number is, if it's too much money for the Buccaneers to want to absorb, then you're looking at the situation where not next year, but in 2025, the Buccaneers will likely get a third round draft pick compensatory pick if it's a sizable contract. So it's not like they're not going to get anything for him. They could even get something for Devin White. Uh, Devin White signs, you know, 12, 14, $15 million elsewhere. I'm not sure who would pay that, but just saying that that when you let free agents go, if they sign elsewhere and it's a big money deal, there's an offset there in terms of how much money you're spending in free agency on new free agents as well. Mm. But there, there's going to be a chance they're going to get maybe a third or fourth round pick for Mike, depending on those offsets in free agency. It won't be for 
this year per se, but it'll, it'll be down the road. Yeah, I think that's important to point out because it's not like in other sports, like the NBA, for example. Yeah. Teams would be more inclined to trade there, and Mike Evans is not disgruntled, but teams right. in the NBA would be more inclined to trade their disgruntled superstar because yeah. if he walks in free agency, you're not getting anything in return, where if you trade him, then you can get those draft picks. Where the NFL, you can still get a comp pick. And like we said, yeah. it's still going to be wait and see with the Mike. They may re-sign Mike uh, after the yeah. season, but that's why – these next the the rest of the season really is going to be super important for a number of reasons, including yeah. the greatest offensive player of all time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in um, team history. Lucas Pettis with the 199 super chat. Thank you, Lucas. Who do you think they bench first, Neil or Mayfield? Uh, I would have benched Ryan Neal weeks ago, but yeah. I don't think they're going to. Um, yeah, maybe they'll get to a point at two or three more games of giving up touchdowns. Maybe they have to at that point in time. I don't know. Baker Mayfield. Um, who do you bench him for? Obviously, Kyle Trask, right? I, I don't know that that uh, the wheels would have to fall off the wagon. They'd, ha they'd have to lose the next three games. Really, just the ship is sinking uh, before they 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 turn to Kyle Trask because I don't think Trask is going to give them any uh, better chance of winning. Uh, maybe he wins a game or two down the stretch, but um, I, I don't think that he, you want to turn the ship over to him right now, and he's going to lead you to the playoffs. He doesn't have the experience, the escapability. From Baker that we see out of Baker Mayfield. I don't know that he's an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. I think that you would get probably the same level of play at best, if not a little bit worse, just due to the lack of experience. So I don't think uh, if you're asking me which one would they bench first, I think it, it would be and it should be Ryan Neal. I don't think Baker has played poorly enough to warrant Agreed. the coaches being like, all right, we got to make a move. We got to do this because yeah. it's a little bit of everything from everybody. That's right. Let's take a look at the uh, upcoming schedule here for the Buccaneers. Yeah. And uh, th this this is where we're going to try to find some wins for the Buccaneers, the topic for today's show, right? It's like you look at Houston. Um, I thought for sure they would be four and three. I thought they were going to beat the Panthers. And sometimes <laughs> on any given Sunday, right, Matt? It happens. Mm -hmm. But you, you look at these next two games, and yes, I know Will Levis threw four touchdowns. I remember Marcus Marietta throwing four touchdowns, too, in his debut. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Where's Marcus Marietta now, right? He flamed out as a starting quarterback a couple of times in the league. So mm -hmm. before we anoint Will Levis for doing anything other than having a great debut, you know, we have to wait and see. And the Buccaneers will be facing uh, Will Levis in his third start, more than likely. And that will give the Buccaneers a couple of, of weeks worth of film on Will Levis, too. Yes. And, and last week, the Falcons did not have that advantage, and uh, they they paid for it. Yeah, and I think especially with the Titans, <clears throat> they play the Steelers on Thursday Night Football, and yeah. you know the Steelers are, are highly regarded as having one of the best defenses in the NFL, and I know they play a little bit of a different style than obviously what Tampa Bay does, but the more tape you can get on a rookie quarterback, the better. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think these are two must-wins, gotta-have-it type of games. The Bucs can't mess around anymore. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you want to chalk them up as wins. <laughs> I mean, you can't guarantee anything with the Bucs right now, at least that's right. doing offensively. And that's what is frustrating about you look at that matchup with San Fran. The 49ers are reeling right now. And yes. for everything you want to say about Brock Purdy, like their defense – has not looked great the past two weeks, you know, going right. up against the Vikings. And then obviously Joe Burrow is one of the mm -hmm. best quarterbacks in the league. So you could think, oh, hey, 
we could probably pull one over on, on San Francisco because they've right. been struggling lately. But when the offense just flat out isn't scoring points at all, you're not going to take advantage of a team that struggled on the defensive side of the football. So, right. yeah, I, I think best case scenario for the Bucks is you get to five and five right. after week 11, um, losing to San Fran and winning those two games against Houston. Right. And, and then and then you're looking at seven game stretch, right? The, the Colts, I believe that's winnable. The yeah. Panthers, winnable. The Falcons, I, I think the Buccaneers and Falcons are right on awesome. on, on even schedule uh, w- with each other in terms of, of their talent level, et cetera. Right, like you said, toss-up, right? So you return the favor in Atlanta. That's a winnable game. Green Bay, a little bit of a wild card. I think they're a better team, but how's the weather going to be, right? I mean, yeah. that, that that's an advantage Green Bay there, but on paper, look at the rosters, maybe advantage Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm still going to say that's a winnable game, though. Jacksonville is going to be a real challenge. That's they're on par with the Detroit Lions, in my opinion, with how well they're playing right now, offensively and defensively. So that's that's going to be a tough one, right? Then you host the Saints, team you swept last year, you already beat this year. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, Todd Bowles kind of owns the Saints. He's three zero against them. <laughs> um, that's going to be an important game, right? It took the Bucks until week what, Matt, seventeen last year yep. against the Panthers. To win the division, it feels like it's going to come down to week 17 again. It might come down to week 18, right? And that's Carolina, and they probably won't have anything to play for at that stretch. So there's a lot of wins to be had there, but Tampa Bay has got to do a better job of winning the winnable games. And maybe you take that L in San Fran, you take the L at home against Jacksonville, you still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight winnable games down the stretch here out of these remaining contests and, and you're probably not going to win all the winnable games, but if you get seven more wins, right now you're looking at a 10 win season. And (laughs) I don't think that that's going to happen. I think it's going to probably be eight or nine, but there's an opportunity here, Matt, to really go on a run at some point. But I think you're right. The key is winning the next two and losing at San Francisco, or maybe you upset the 49ers and you make up for a loss at Houston or at home versus Tennessee, but somehow, some way, two and one the next three weeks, you get off the losing streak and you're five and five with seven games remaining. I think that's critical, Matt. And it's crazy that we're kind of thinking this after this team has just lost three games in a row, but let's just say they end up with 10 wins. Sure, you still want to win the division because you get that you get that home playoff game, which obviously yeah. is advantageous. But if you get 10 wins, there's probably a likelihood that you're getting one of the wild card spots, which is That's something right. that like none of us really thought of yeah. at the beginning of the season. And I know they had a rough start to the season, but unfortunately Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles and he's That's right. the season. But the Vikings were one of those teams that seemed like they were going in the right direction and yeah. could have picked up a wild card spot. That's another team you can kind of, Mm-hmm. the fact I'll eliminate because of the injury yeah. to well, Kirk Cousins. And the Falcons, looking at the Falcons schedule real quick, Falcons might do the Bucks a favor in a sense yeah. and beat the Minnesota Vikings and kind of start them on the downward spiral. Wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Tannehill gets traded from the Titans, though, to uh, to the Vikings. We'll see. Yeah, uh, Falcons have an admittedly easier schedule. 1-7 Arizona on the docket. They, they do have a little stretch here. They have to, to play the New Orleans Saints twice. So are they going to sweep the Saints? Are they going to get swept? Are they going to split yeah. with the Saints? That's that's an interesting situation to watch in the, in the South. They're playing the Jets. They've got the Colts. Uh, they've got certainly winnable games against Carolina and Chicago coming up. Uh, pretty much on par with the Bucks' schedule, maybe even a tick easier than I, Tampa yeah. Bay. right? But now I, with Grady Jarrett out, mm-hmm. Drake London with a hurt groin, maybe a quarterback controversy. 
uh, in in Atlanta. We'll see. Right now, let's let's look at, at the Panthers real quick here. So you've got, uh, you know, again, is, is can this team build some momentum that they have a couple of winnable games here? Um, I don't think that's the Colts record. I think I typed that in incor- incorrectly, but Chicago is certainly two and six. But so you've got uh, a much tougher stretch for the Panthers here after a couple winnable games. Dallas is certainly mighty. Then yeah. they have three straight road games there that that just might you know kill the cats, uh, in my opinion. And then you're ending up uh, playing at Jacksonville and then Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of wins on this one, if not for the next couple of weeks here. But um, but then, Matt, you look at the Saints, right, and how they finish yeah. up. You've got the Bears, Minnesota, as you mentioned, struggling with with uh, the quarterback situation now with Kirk Cousins out for the year with the, the torn Achilles. Uh, they play Detroit down the stretch. They have to play Atlanta twice. they got to play Tampa Bay again. The Rams, I think, you know, yep. uh, out there in L.A. Um, yeah, to, to be honest with you, Scott, if I'm a Bucks fan and I'm looking at this three-team race in the NFC South, I think I would be most worried about the Saints because of like the schedule you, you just laid out there. Yeah. And the fact that like the Saints offense has looked abysmal. Yeah. But it seems like they're at least starting to trend in the right direction a yeah. little bit. So like if their offense ever figures it out, I still think their defense can do enough to keep them in a lot of games. And I think the Falcons are the most, I mean, we just saw it against the Titans. Like that's a game that they probably should have won against a rookie in his first career start. And, you know, they fell on their faces. The Falcons, in my opinion, are the most likely to, you know, lose games that they should win where Mm -hmm. figure it out on offense could potentially be the most dangerous for the Bucs. So the best thing would be if the Falcons beat the Saints and then the Saints, uh, and then the Falcons just kind of implode on their own against yeah. uh, the rest of the easy schedule that they play. But yeah, it, it's not going to be easy for the Bucks by any means. I mean, you look, you look at the Saints; those first two games, Chicago and Minnesota, those should yeah. be two wins for the Saints right there. So uh, yeah. definitely quite difficult. But that's why I also mm-hmm. think, like it was last season, that's right. It'll come down come down to December of this season, yeah, and January of technically next year, as Jeff Moore says, week seventeen or eighteen in the NFC South will determine the champ. It yep, most likely will. Yep. Uh, uh, M McKinnon, 88, 999 Super Chat. Thank you so much. From yep. North Carolina here. First time being live. That's awesome. You came on the right Let's day. Man. Mondays are always the best day with roll call and all that. So appreciate it. Been listening since Mark Cook back uh, when you would suspend him for being Captain Interruption. Oh, yeah, man. I was just thinking yep. about Mark Cook uh, the other birthday day. birthday the other day. On Thursday yes. when the Bucks played. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Uh, any pass rushers we could uh, we could get to light a fire, a fire under JTS. Uh, I think benching JTS, putting him in the rotation, and starting Anthony Nelson is the move I would make if I'm Todd Bowles, um, even if you play him around the same amount of snaps. Uh, just send a message to JTS saying, not good enough. What you're doing is not good enough. And I'm going to go with the guy that, that's going to give me a little bit more uh, steady effort Um, maybe not as athletically uh, gifted as JTS, but Anthony Nelson is a gritty player that, that, you know, what three and a half sacks last year and, uh, with three forced fumbles, right? So he, yeah, yeah, five, what five sacks, five and a half sacks. Vita Bay led the team sacks, but, uh, at outside linebacker, Anthony Nelson led, led the outside linebacker room. Yeah. A couple fumble recoveries. So yeah, I, I would definitely. Definitely start Anthony Nelson now. Uh, Meets McGee with a $10 super chat. 
What has Devin White shown us in the past five seasons that he's an impact, that he's impact football games minus the Super Bowl postseason? He should not be blowing coverages in a defense he's been in since the beginning. I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think he's going to be back next year. If I'm Jason Light and I get a phone call wanting Devin for a fourth or fifth, I would start the Servassier Dennis experiment right now. Yeah. Having him play next to Levante David and see, because Devin White has not played very well at all this year. And and I think that that he's been a liability at times and has just he's not shown up in a contract here. And to me, that that's very telling. If you're not going to show up now, then when are you? Right. And so yeah, Andrew, um, you got the bundle of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So listen, when it comes to bundles of money and you want to make some money selling your house, you can do that with Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group. That's right. Uh, this is the guy you want on your team uh, for the long haul. Uh, and certainly for now, because it takes a full team effort to win a football game. It also takes a full team effort to win in real estate. The Eric Gross Group's done hundreds of transactions in this real estate market. Eric is an avid Pewter Report reader and a Tampa native. He knows this area like the back of his hand. He and his team have got the market knowledge, the top-notch communication, and the commitment to excellent service that sets them apart. Their clients are not just transactions. They're lifelong friendships. Eric's a great guy. Give him a call at 513-907-4271 or visit housesinfla.com. That's the website, housesinfla.com. Great layout, great website. You can view their inventory online. You can also find Eric and the Eric Gross Group on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Peter Report. Again, visit housesinfla.com. That's right. And after you check out the Eric Gross Group, make sure you follow us on all of our social media uh, on X, Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. We are at Peter Report. And then our YouTube channel is Peter Report TV. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got tons of content from the podcast four times a week, the game day show, various clips from practice, Scott's Peter Pulse, uh, different press conference stuff. So, so many different things. Uh, leave a comment on this video as well that helps um, helps grow our audience over at Pewter Report and Pewter Report TV. And uh, you guys always give great participation, so would love to get some more of your opinions yeah, on this sure. video. Please like yep. and also subscribe too, and comment. Yeah, Shaggy, thank you for saying hit that uh, like button, the thumbs up. We appreciate that. Also, Shaggy, email me at srpewterreport.com. I need your address to send to Celsius. So you can get uh, one of those cases um, that you that you so uh, d deserved for um, helping us out with the uh, with some great comments the other week. So yeah. make sure that you send me an email at srpeterreport.com. Yeah, do it up. Uh, we got a fun week coming up. The Bucks are the Bucks are back. Like they played on Thursday. Yeah. They they didn't go anywhere. But it feels like it's been a while since uh, the Bucks had a uh, had a big game or anything really so this um, is a must win let's just call it what it is this is win. a must win they got to stop the losing streak at three games they got to get back on the winning track this is a winnable game at Houston it's not going to be easy CJ Stroud does not look like a quarterback that is a rookie by any means he's playing yeah. good fo good football but this is a winnable game the bucks need to to use this extra time during this bye week this little mini bye to fix some stuff and uh, and they got they got to get off this losing streak yeah, uh, so no podcast tomorrow. We will have a Bucks Texans preview coming up on yeah. Wednesday. So until then, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you on Wednesday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.